are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day, you're listening to who? The always wonderful, and might I add, handsome host of this podcast, multimedia journalist and graphic designer. It's me, Miller Thomas. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Now, for today's show, we're going to be talking about last night's playoff game between the Astros and Rays. We're going to be talking about a a player on the D-backs who has an option coming up, whether the team should pick it up. Well, I think it's a player option. So whether the the team should bring him back. And then finally, we're also going to talk about the Diamondbacks' biggest question according to Bleacher Report. But first, if your company is interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks are listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, I'll rate to the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. All right, let's first start with last night's playoff game between the Rays and the Astros. And this was just... A dominant pitching performance by the Rays. They are just so good in these one-score games. They're 16-5 and now on the season in one-score games, which is actually the best winning percentage in MLB history. And, of course, it's only a 50-game season, so that sample size is a little skewed. That winning percentage is a little skewed, but this is what the Rays have been doing all season long. They're great in these one-score situations because of how dominant their bullpen is and once again it was on full display and plus when you have starting pitching like the Rays it makes it that much easier I mean you had Blake Snell on the mound last night for the Rays we know how much of a stud he is he went out there five innings six hits but only one earned run which was a solo home run by Jose Altuve then the bullpen came in for the rest of the game the last four innings for the Rays just completely shut down the Astros only gave up three more hits no earned runs and had three strikeouts as well. So a walk uh, or a hit to strikeout ratio one to one. I guess you'll take that. I guess it really just depends on how the game flow is going. But both of these teams offensively couldn't do anything last night. And let's give the Astros credit too for their pitching. Their pitching was just as dumb as the Rays pitching. But they just been a little bit better in those one score games. And that's why they were able to get it done. And they were a little bit more clutch by the end of the game. I mean, the Astros got their scoring in the first inning by a Jose Altuve home run. A solo dolo home run in the top of the first. So, Rays were probably sweating a little bit seeing Blake Snell give up such such an early home run. But he really settled in after that. It really dominated that ball game. And then in the bottom of the fourth inning, Arozarena, the rookie Havana Cuban, not the Havana Cuban, He's from Havana. He's Cuban, but they call him the the Cuban Rocket, I believe, or the Cuban, yeah, I believe the Cuban Rocket. And, you know, he's just been a stud offensively at 25 years old, a rookie. 
got the home run last night. Another uh, another solo home run. A lot of these home runs in the playoffs have been solo dolos, but Mike Zunino had a single to left center in the bottom of the fifth to give them the two to one lead to break the tie. So clutch hitting in that situation by Zunino, but both of these teams are runners in scoring position weren't very good yesterday the Astros were two for eight while the Rays were one for eight so both uh, so the Astros were technically a little better than the Rays with runners in scoring position but it didn't matter the Rays bullpen and pitching just shut down the Astros but Astros did pretty much the same thing I mean they had Valdez starting on the mound yesterday he went six innings only gave up two earned runs the one home run and then eight strikeouts as well so he was pretty dominant. Blake Snell only had two strikeouts, so that wasn't as dominant as you might think. And Valdez gave up, uh, or Valdez pitched 95 pitches in his six innings, while Blake Snell did 105 pitches in his five frames. So that tells you how good Valdez was yesterday, but not a good, not not good enough to get the win, unfortunately. And Tonight, Rays versus Astros once again, and on the mound for both of those teams, we have Lance McCullers going against Charlie Morton, so I like that matchup. Both of them aren't aces, but both of them are pretty good number three kind of guys, so we'll see how that goes. Astros definitely wanted to get their offense back on track after being so good offensively in the divisional series. It's going to be a different test against the Rays, who are pretty dominant pitching-wise, but I think the Astros could still put on a good performance tonight. And then before I talk about the Braves versus Dodgers matchup tonight, I just wanted to talk about the Yankees real quick. I just loved how they didn't uh, advance the championship series. This seems to be the Yankees' MO ever since they won the 09 World Series. They're a pretty good regular season team. They usually have these home run hitters, these sluggers in the middle of their lineup. But their pitching is usually not dominant. They usually have one great starting pitcher, usually a pretty good number two, but the back end of their rotation usually isn't good enough. They usually have a pretty good bullpen, a pretty good back of the end of their bullpen, but Chapman is not as clutch as Mariano Rivera. Everyone entering the season has Yankees number two probably as World Series favorites, and look how that turned out. They had a pretty good regular season, but not a great regular season, and then they got beat by the Tampa Bay Rays, who, of course, were divisional champs this season, who had a a great uh, regular season record, but when you look at that team on paper, they didn't have any superstars offensively. We like, I mean, their best player was a rookie, a 25-year-old rookie. So when you think about it like that, compared to the Yankees who have an MVP and stand, another MVP caliber player and judge, other studs, DJ LeMay, Luke Voigt, it's crazy to see that the Yankees spend all this money, put the hand, put the ball in the hands of Garrett Cole, who had a good game five, but still wasn't good enough to get it done against that Rays team. I just found it interesting. I found it intriguing. I found it funny that the Yankees are always a team that spends all this money, are always a team that is favorited by prognosticators and betters preseason. And then by the end of the season, by the culmination, the Yankees are always on the outside looking in when it's time to win a ring. So that was my two cents before I get to this Braves versus Dodgers series. All right, now let's get to that Braves versus Dodgers series. On the mound tonight, it's going to be Max Freed versus Walker Buehler, and this should be a battle of two pretty good aces. I mean, Freed in the regular season was pretty dominant. 2-2-5 ERA, seven wins, no losses, and Walker Buehler wasn't as dominant, but still a very good season. 3-4-4 ERA, and both of these two have pretty interesting postseason uh, resumes this season, I would say the least. More free than Walker Bueller. Freed in his first start of the postseason against the Cincinnati Reds. 
was completely dominant. He gave up, uh, he pitched seven innings, no earned runs, five strikeouts. It was just a complete effort by Max Freed. He looked like the best player on the, on the field that, that that first start he had. He was just completely dominating the Reds. And that whole pitching staff for the Braves dominated the Reds. I mean, they gave up no earned runs in that series. When the second round in the divisional series against the Marlins, he was the only pitcher to give up an earned run in that series. He gave up four earned runs in four innings. He did not look like himself. The Marlins were able to get to Max Free. They were able to tag him up a little bit. He gave up the four earned runs, as I mentioned. And Max Free just didn't look as dominant as he once did. He's, he still threw a ton of strikes, but made the, the, the pitchers were just too clearly over the plate. They were just too easy for the hitters to tee off of. And he never got into his groove. And then if you look at the other side on who he's facing tonight in Walker Bueller, in his first two starts, he's been pretty solid in both, but he didn't really pitch too deep into ball games. He only went four innings in each one. He had eight strikeouts in both of them, so they were pretty good starts. Two earned runs in the first one, one earned run in the second, but he just hasn't gone deep into either ball game. So I'm very curious to see tonight if both pitchers just go their four innings or if both pitchers try to ramp it up a little bit. If their managers keep them out there, if they're pitching well, they could go six or seven innings and give their bullpen a rest. So that's the biggest thing I'm watching for tonight. And if the Reds could continue to stifle their opponent's offense, we know how good the Dodgers are. We know how good the Dodgers are. We know how many MVP candidates they have on that team. And if the Braves can do what they've been doing the first two rounds to the Dodgers, then I really like them in this series. And I haven't even given my playoff predictions yet for who's going to win each series. So I'll give that to you real quick. Right now, I still got the I got the Astros beating the Rays in seven games, and then I got the. This is a tough one. I don't know what to pick. My heart, my heart's telling me the Braves. My head is telling me the Dodgers. I'm gonna go with my heart on this one. Braves over Dodgers, seven games. We're getting Braves versus Astros World Series. I'll give you my predictions once we get there. Braves in seven over the LA Dodgers. Now I'll tell you. What's the biggest question mark the Diamondbacks have to answer this offseason? But first, let me tell you guys about Built Bar, because Built Bar's back, and it's more improved than ever before. They have 18 amazing flavors, but six of those are new. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Built Bars are healthy, and that's why I love them. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're both soft and easy to chew, but if you're a health-conscious guy like me, they help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now, they reset their promo code for this relaunch. You get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20 per, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into it, and let's first uh, let's first talk about this D-backs player who has an upcoming option and whether they should bring him back for the 2021 season. And that pitcher 
It's a pitcher, actually. I said player, but it's actually a pitcher. And that pitcher is Junior Guerrero. He's only on a one-year deal. He's getting a player option coming up, so he could be a free agent. But the question is, should the D-backs bring him back? And I honestly think he should as a bullpen guy, as a guy with not only starting experience in his past, but he also has a little bit of closing experience. Not a ton, but a little a little bit, so he could be both a spot starter and a, a back end of the bullpen guy. I like his versatility. I thought he had a pretty good year. He had a 3.04 year race, so he was pretty solid in that department. He had one little rough patch where he gave up a, a few earned runs in a short amount of time. He gave up five earned runs over 2.1 frames in a little bit of a rough patch he had in the middle of the season. But after he had that little rough patch, he went out, he, he rebounded with a 2.03 ERA in his final 13.1 innings pitch. So, in terms of giving up earned runs, he was pretty great at it he didn't give up a ton now the only thing concerning maybe about him is a strikeout to walk ratio uh he only had 21 strikeouts compared to 15 walks so you would like to see that margin be a little bit bigger but i thought he was just good enough this season for the decks to bring him back we don't know how many of these bullpen guys are going to be coming back next season and you definitely have a couple holes in the back end of your bullpen. If you're the Diamondbacks, I mean, who's going to be the closer next season? There's no more Archie Bradley. I love Kevin Ginkle, but he struggled tremendously in 2020. So there are just huge question marks. Is Junior Guerrero that guy? Probably not. Maybe it's Stefan Crichton as a closer, but I think Guerrero could at least potentially be the setup guy next season. I, I thought he was good enough this year. He's still a guy who's not very old at all, only 30 years old right now. Or, excuse me, his debut was actually 30. I always look at the wrong one. He's actually 35 years old right now. So he's actually kind of old, but I think a one- or two-year deal, maybe throw in another option, a one-year deal with another team option, I think that would just be fine. I don't think he's going to be commanding a lot of money, maybe around $5 million. If that, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. So I think he's good enough as a back end of the bullpen guy. I think the Diamondbacks should definitely look at bringing him back. Now, let's head to Bleacher Report and see the biggest question mark that they had for the Diamondbacks entering the offseason. And right now, they think the biggest question is, should they think big with trade? So basically, should the Diamondbacks go big fish hunting this offseason? And I'll just read you the little excerpt that they had here. After an 85-win effort in 2019, the Arizona Diamondbacks went to 2020 with the playoffs in sight. Instead, they sunk to last place in the NL West and offloaded Starling Marte and Archie Bradley along the way. And given the size and poor returns of Bumgarner's $85 million deal, they could be wary of free agency this winter. The Snakes might, however, put themselves in the blockbuster trade market. Their farm system is the eighth in the MLB and contains pieces for example, Christian Robinson and Alec Thomas that would interest sellers. The alternative would be for the Diamondbacks to simply wait for their top prospects to arrive. But since they're more of a win-now team, they're potentially, they would potentially live to regret it. And this is writer Zachary Reimer, and I agree with him. I'm not a, a person that's all about waiting around for the prospects. Sometimes I am. I think it depends on the prospects. Usually in basketball, more like that when you have these young guys who are just teenagers trying to make their way into basketball who have potential to be superstars. I'm probably going to be more reliant to wait on guys like that. But in baseball, I don't care about prospects, really. There's so many top prospects 
and never live up to their expectations. I mean, guys like Byron Buxton, he's been good, but not the elite guy we thought he was going to be. How about Andrelton Simmons? How about Kevin Gosman? How about Dylan Bundy? All these guys have had late resurgences. Trevor Bauer, a lot of these guys took them like five or six years in baseball to before they became uh, quality players. And so I'm not a big prospects guy. I think if you can package some of those players on this team for a uh, you know, real stud or maybe a superstar, I definitely would. I know, I'm not entirely sure what kind of MLB players are on the trade market right now. I don't know what kind of guys would be on the on the market for sellers that the D-backs should go acquire that psycho star. I mean, I don't think there's any Mookie bets on the market right now. And even if there was, I don't know if the D-backs would pull a trigger like that. I think they need to look more into doing like what they did a couple years ago where they acquired J.D. Martinez at the deadline. I want to see a move like that before the season starts. In the offseason, J.D. Martinez is a guy who's a stud, who can be a star offensive player, but he's not considered, I guess, a superstar with uh, among, you know, ranks in baseball. Maybe an offensive superstar, but he's not considered, you know, Mike Trout's, Mookie Betts's, uh, players like that, Acuna. No one talks about J.D. Martinez like that, even though if you take out probably this season, he's been right right there offensively with any of those guys. So if they could get another player of a J.D. Martinez caliber, you know, maybe a guy who could bat around 300, get on base, you know, 36% of the time, be a 30 home run guy, or maybe be like a 2020 kind of guy with home runs and sales. I really do think they need another thumper and a consistent thumper in this middle of the lineup, or at least maybe a guy at the top of the lineup that could really set the scoring table for the rest of this team. A nice leadoff guy. I love Cole Calhoun, but he shouldn't be a leadoff guy. He's more of a, a number three, a number four, or a number five hitter. He's more of a guy should be batting in the middle of your lineup considering all the power he has. So if the D-backs could go out there, acquire either a top-of-the-lineup guy, a superstar who could set the table like a Starling Marte, I think another Starling Marte type player would be great. I really like Starling Marte. I really thought he was going to be a stud player for this team. I thought that Marte Parte was going to be one of the most dangerous duos in all of baseball. And it was for a little bit, but it was just so short-lived that we never got to see the full potential of the Marte Parte. And I'm pretty sad about it, but hopefully the D-backs could get a new uh, offensive stud this offseason. And hopefully with another catchy last name that we could just make stupid puns about all day long with Ketel Marte. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Don't forget to come back tomorrow where I have the best Diamondbacks news, coverage, and insight. Don't forget to go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your first order. Thanks again, guys, for coming back. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!